Hey, and welcome back to the For Those Who Travel podcast. My name is Will, one of the team at Stubble Co, and this is a podcast all about exceptional travel experiences, incredible stories, and adventures of every kind. And today's guest is a bona fide connoisseur of all that and so much more. Having turned his travel addiction into one of the most enviable careers imaginable, Tom Hall has been a big part of Lonely Planet for two decades, working his way up from a digital marketing role to the head of all things experience. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, because as well as being one of the voices behind travel's biggest voice, Tom is also the writer of amazing train journeys, epic bike rides of the world, low-carbon Europe, and, well, one of the people behind Lonely Planet's best ever travel tips. Translation, Tom Hall has one heck of a CV, and it all centres around one thing, giving people incredible travel advice. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode for those who travel and hear all about Tom's favourite adventures, most breathtaking moments, how travel has changed during his 20 years at Lonely Planet, and of course, get his best travel tips to take with you on your next escape. Trust me, guests don't come any more travel qualified than Tom Hall. Enjoy. Tom Hall, thank you so much for coming on to the For Those Who Travel podcast. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You have got one of those jobs that you just can't be pigeonholed into, right? Except to say you're a connoisseur of travel. Uh. <laughs> I need to ask you, what does travel mean to you? I think freedom and discovery, but also just the potential of, of the world. You know, I, I think we have all been in a situation over the past year or more where all of those things have, have not been present. And they've been the things that, that I've missed, the, the, the random people that you meet, things that you that you learn when you're when you're on the road that you weren't expecting to. I, I think it would be all of those things, but certainly more than anything else, a sense of freedom and adventure. Yes. What sort of travel are you then? Are you a, a spontaneous one or are you a, an organised one? I think I'd li- I like to build a very organised framework and then attempt to be very spontane- spontaneous within it. You know, when I went to, I went to Chile quite well, a long time ago when I, when I just sort of started travelling, really. The first place I went to on my own outside Europe was very near the Peruvian border for several days. It would have been really easy to pop over, and I never did because I wasn't prepared to do so. And I've always regretted that, and I think things like that, they make you realise you need to put certain things in certain structures in place. Unless, of course, you're much less worried about that collection of things, as it were, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, you're, and you're much more able to just accept the serendipity that comes with, with those journeys. I think as I have done more travel, I've, I've probably become a little more on the structured side. So how do you go about deciding which things to do places to go and and memories to make essentially my my job has historically taken me to the US quite a bit particularly over the over the last sort of five six years and that's given a great springboard for things I wouldn't necessarily have prioritized doing before but thinking okay this is an opportunity now so is it isn't the you know the internal domestic flight network in the US, a thing of incredible wonder. And then when you're in certain places, you can get to others. What interesting things can I tie together? Boston, Philadelphia, New York, Washington, you know, is this the chance to do that bit? You know, okay, maybe Miami and a bit of South Florida or or whatever it is, you know. And so a bit of opportunism, I think, in there as well. I guess that's why Lonely Planet is so important to people, because let's say you are on a business trip. 
and you go into somewhere and you might have two days where you get to do it yourself and where else do you go like you, you go and look at these guides and, and they tell you what to do but that must come with f- from your point of view a lot of responsibility with what you do professionally there's millions of people a month that read lonely planet absolutely you know it's a it's a huge responsibility that we're wrestling with at the moment you know we are aware that we've been in this time where people haven't been traveling and their expectation is going to be as it always is that if you come and get some information from lonely planet that it's up to date and accurate and you know been researched by an expert and takes you to the heart of a destination there's some places that have been very difficult to get to people haven't been able to travel and so as people are engaging with the world again we're, we're having to approach things in quite a you know work as quickly as we can to make sure that we do that yeah so i mean you've been at lonely planet now for what, almost two decades yeah that's right yeah almost 20 years yeah yeah so, I mean, how much has that changed i think so lonely planet has changed i think as travel has changed but i think at the heart it, it it has similar values to what it had in the past which is really wanting to help people to have these life-changing experiences that they want to tell us stories when they come back and that's what i sort of decided i wanted to do once i sort of got my foot in the door i suppose i think the mission is is fundamentally still the same it's just that Whereas before it was really speaking to a sort of subset of independent travellers who, you know, were doing gap years or, or, you know, doing routes through Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand or, or backpacking itineraries. And people obviously still do that. But I think the desire for those experiences is still really present in cities, in, you know, two one week or two week trips in domestic travel in van trips in camping trips or you know cycling hiking all kinds of things like that so the, the mission's the same but the diversity of travel is is massive now and it's and it's continuing to because the world of travel is brilliant at identifying these niches and then helping people to to explore them and wherever possible i think you know it's it's only planet's job and as you say responsibility to try to be there for people there's other ways in which it's changed a heck of a lot i mean no more fax machines no more floppy disks but they're you know, <laughs> we producing books on floppy disks when i first walked through the door which was oh. felt normal at the time yeah it's mad so how, how do you go from just being really into traveling to then writing for arguably the biggest travel voice of travel if you want I sometimes ask myself that, actually. I've, I've been very lucky to be involved in Lonely Planet and be involved in travel at a time when both those things have grown and expanded and there have been opportunities to take things on and to learn new skills and to really, sort of, I hope, grow and evolve as the business has grown. You know, it, 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 it's, a, it's a brilliant environment to be in if you're, if you're creative. And I think it's one that, you know, is, is so sort of um, reaches out into different areas and different themes as well. Like food's a massive part of travel. Act- activities and adventures are a massive part of travel. Shopping is a massive part of travel. Sport, I mean, you, you name it, there's, there's all kinds of things. So I think it, it, it can take you in some really interesting directions. Never get bored. Always a constant challenge. And then on the other side, as a, as a publisher, Only Planet has an element of predictability about it. You know, I, I know what we're going to be publishing throughout 2022. Fantastic. You know, that's, that's really good and really exciting. It means we can plan for that. We can get excited about that. And then on the, on the digital side, there's room for obviously moving and working in a, in a very different way. So it's, 
it's very varied. That sometimes means it's a little bit chaotic, but we like that too. So, so you planned that far ahead, almost a year, two years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've actually got to go a little bit further than that in order to to be really ready. But yes, you do. And um, so, yes, you know, there's a there's a real need to to plan ahead, and that is it's it's great because I think it, it focuses your mind on on not where we are today but where we might be in a year obviously a year ago that was really hard really hard, you know? really really difficult to know I think now we're we're more certain on where we're going yeah so on a more personal one then I mean looking at some of the books you've written you've done epic bike rides you've done these train journeys yes I should say I've done parts of these books. Parts I can't claim credit for writing. We <laughs> have an excellent, excellent group of fellow writers that have contributed to them as well. You're better than I would be. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite form of travel then? Because you seem to, I mean, both of those are so raw ways of travelling, like, like a road trip. It is just yeah. really real. So what's your favourite form? I, th- I, I think there is, I think there is just a singular magic about certain types of train travel. My, mind goes back to last summer when you know my family and I were in Venice and we we were able to be relatively spontaneous actually and say okay well we're we're going to Vienna we're going to take a night train to Vienna and this train pulling out of Venice going across the causeway to the mainland pull the windows down at sunset and you know, that was, that was just incredible, incredible moments that see it in my memory. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's hard to beat that. I always, always feel like I'm sort of gaming the system or almost sneaking through the back door a little bit, you know. But there are some very long trains I've taken through Australia, which have just been awesome as well. Really, really good. How long do they take, these Australian ones? So I think, so, uh, the, so the GAN takes, what is it? I think about 30, 36 hours, isn't it, to get from Adelaide to up to, to Darwin. But there's also a three-dayer, the Indian Pacific Sydney Perth, three days, which I think would just be also breathtakingly good. But I told I told everybody who had the chance after that journey, oh, you've got to do this train, it's so great. You know, you, you pull up the blinds in the morning and there you are in the middle of the outback and there's kangaroos hopping away from your train. It's the most Australian thing ever. And, <laughs> and, and my dad went and did the trip on the strength of that. And he phoned me from Alice Springs, not a single kangaroo. I've seen, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen any. Difficult. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So when you do these trips, is that with work or is that just you traveling? And most of, most of these are me traveling. So it, it, clearly, if I get the chance to with work, then I will. But work is work is a bit different, really. As you said before, sometimes you get the chance to add some things on to to what you're what you're doing. So you know, I'm I'm very I, I try very hard to do that if I can. And, you know, add some add some interest into what could otherwise be a, you know business travel is all right, isn't it? No yeah, complaints yeah. about that. You're, you're, you're going somewhere. But better to do something that suits you, I think, at, at the end of it, if you can. Yeah, there must almost be quite a contradiction in that because on, on the one hand, you're clearly someone who's the destination is only half the fun and, and it's that journey there. Whereas if you're doing a business trip, it's it's efficiency, essentially. It's you get to this place as quick as you can and, and you do what you're doing. So there must be quite a contradiction in that. It's a little bit, I, th- I think it's trying to find that balance, really. I mean, look, 
you know, work work for Lonely Planet. So um, no one's surprised if you say, okay, well, I'm you know, I'm here, but I'm going to squeeze in a, a couple of days hiking, or yeah, 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 you know, yeah, going to yeah. add add something else on. Um, that's certainly, you know, it, at the same time, yes, I think if people have sometimes sometimes when you talk to people and you say you work for Lonely Planet, they do have this sort of Indiana Jones image, <laughs> sort of, you know, swacking through undergrowth, and, yeah. and, and actually, no, you know, it, it's quite normal. <laughs> Where, where did your travel boat come from then? So I, I think that like a lot of people, I sort of, you know, my, my parents traveled before, before I was born and I sort of grew up with some of their stories. So they hadn't been able to travel to Hungary, Czech Republic, to Russia, to the Baltic States, Yugoslavia. And when that opened up, they, they were really, really clear, you should go because you just don't know. Yeah. You don't know when you won't be able to do this again. And I think that gave a little bit of a sense of urgency about things. Yeah. I mean, growing up, my dad was, was an MEP. Right. And uh, I remember him coming back from a trip to Germany and he had a brick. <laughs> and I just couldn't understand why he brought back this brick. And it was right. He was at Checkpoint Charlie when the wall came down. Right. Wow. And he just explained to me, like, how big it was. And, and just how much of Europe is now open up and people can travel. And, you, and you're right, it, it makes a massive difference. So I think this year of not being able to, to travel would definitely make people, do, what, do you think people would look at it differently? Do you think that it's going to change things? I think the first thing to say is that, uh, you know, all the early signs are that when people can travel, they do, they want to. And that has certainly been the case for sort of, you know, sunshine holidays and, and, and people wanting to do things they just haven't been able to and mm. I'm, I'm very much not surprised at that if anything I think the intensity with which people have grabbed some of those opportunities has, has just been absolutely brilliant I mean you know this, this, this energy that comes fizzing out of it it's, it's absolutely brilliant I think alongside it is you know, we've been talking to various people who are very focused on sustainable tourism, and, and that's that's very much their message. Is, is you know, they're seeing this huge feeling of okay, well, let's look at getting this right at, at the moment. Now, that's not going to be true everywhere, but the destinations that I think are going to do best with a resurgence in travel are are those who are very clear that they have their house in order when it comes to sustainable travel. So, I, yeah, I think that's a very important part. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, what trip are you really looking forward to? Is there one that's you've really been pining for for the last year? I've been reading reading quite a lot of books on India, actually. And I've been to India, not for a huge period of time and not for quite a long time. And yeah, just a very, very different place, very different experience. What about, what, what places, how, how old are your kids? They are 13, 11 and 7. Where, where would you love, what's, where would you love them to go? Like where, where somewhere you've been and you just think they need to see this. Well, we, about three years ago, we took them to Namibia, which oh, was wow. absolutely amazing. <laughs> really just, just, just a wonderful place. And we had a, a super time. I'd, I'd love to go back to somewhere, possibly East Africa rather than, rather than West Africa, simply because I think to see more of the, the, the cultural side 
of Africa. I mean, yeah, it, it was it, there was a, it was a very wildlife and outdoorsy kind of trip, which was wonderful. But I'd love to sort of dive headlong into some African cities. I think that'd be a crazy thing to do, um, and they probably wouldn't thank me for it. But but I think it would just be absolutely brilliant. Um, and then on you know as a as a as a complete sort of different different side of things, we've got so many friends from working at Lonely Planet in Australia that to be able to go down take the kids and be around there i think that would be a, a another fantastic trip to take yeah which african cities have you got your eye on dar es salaam nairobi i am um, i rate maputo and mozambique a lot. okay it's that's good really, to know really good fun and also okay. it's, right, it's right on the beach as well so right I'm okay got, that's a good one. Got the best yeah. of both worlds yeah 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 what about the, the cycling trips which which one should people because it is now like you said it's a big thing people are yes. really into this Yes. So, I mean, which which is the best one you've done or, or want to do? Or the bet. So, the the best cycling trip that I've done goes through the up sort of south to north western Isles of Scotland. Is just a that's a brilliant trip. Yes. It's very very easy to get to by public transport, and you're sort of hopping on ferries and cycling a bit. And I did it in torrential rain, but I had the wind at my back, so it was just fantastic you know you just you didn't really you didn't mind the rain because you would sort of just felt like you're bombing along at 50 miles an hour that that was a really excellent trip and do, you, and do, you, do you just stop here do you have like a tent with you or is it are you doing the bothies are you on on that one it, it was sort of little hostels that you can yeah. step out along the way which are which are great friends of independent travelers in in this country because if you go up to the western isles um and lots of places in scotland in peak season it's quite hard to get sort of one night in places and obviously what you want is one night you, know, yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can do that so yeah that that i thought was absolutely excellent but really god i mean there's 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 so much there is there is so much choice i think a, a really great trip which is very accessible you, and you don't need to have like super bike or all the kit or whatever it is it's mm -hmm. just just follow the Rhine, follow the Rhine. And then if you keep going, you follow the Danube and, you know, simple, well signposted, easy, beautiful, obviously it's level. So that helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and you're just accessing some absolutely stunning parts of Europe. So that yeah, ticks that so good. many boxes, that trip, doesn't it? That's not just in terms of sites, but the culture and the foods and oh, yeah, yeah. Really, really great trip. Really great. I've got a, a three parter based on some of your your past trips here okay okay <laughs> what's been your favorite solo trip what's been your favorite work trip and what's been your favorite family trip okay favorite solo trip i think was yeah two weeks in ethiopia that was a real adventure it it, it definitely had its completely crazy moments uh, and yet as a way of just blowing your preconceptions on people on on a place ethiopia is green mountainous beautiful has an incredible history it's endlessly fascinating and you know there for two weeks and i just made loads of friends like it was it was lovely it was such a sort of lovely warm warm experience being there and, and i just thought that was that was really fantastic best family trip yeah Namibia I'd have to slightly repeat myself on that one but that was that's that's pretty unbeatable from that perspective and what was the third one the work trip work trip mm. best work trip well we did put together a team to cycle the Tour d'Afrique 
bike race expedition. So it goes from Cairo to Cape Town in wow. like 12 stages. And so we put two people from Lonely Planet on each stage. So I did a stage which went through Zambia and Botswana and a little bit, a little bit in Namibia. And, but yeah, you know, the cycling your bikes to Victoria Falls and then, you know, going off and camping at night and hearing lions. And that was, um, that was really terrific. But the, the best bit, of, <laughs> the best bit of that was just this, I think this sense of traveling in a more slowly and it, it meant you were passing through these little towns that you'd otherwise just drive through and just stopping and sitting down having a coke and having a having a chat with people you know where where have you come from where are you going what are you doing and you know swapping stories and um yeah you know the the sort of thing things that would not happen in the uk or the us or australia you know i maybe they would i don't know i've never actually tried it but you know i i was absolutely in the middle of nowhere and i'd already had two flat tires that day and i went through this massive hole and i got two more flat tires and i just had to stand out in the middle of the road and just sort of you know wave down the next car he seemed very surprised but he stopped and i put my bike in his car and he just drove on with me like you know and he didn't say why are you doing this or go away no he was just yep you know we're gonna we're gonna do this and i just like yeah that was experiences like that Amazing, really, really amazing experiences. Change your perspective on things, I think. I mean, first things, Cairo to Cape Town has just gone to the top of my bucket list. I mean, <laughs> what you would see on that trip is amazing. And, yes. and secondly, you're right, it's, it's, those, it's those experiences that make travelling so special. It's, it's actually getting out and meeting local people, asking them, when, asking them where they want to where, where you should go, what you should eat, what's the best places. And, and those are those little moments that you just won't forget. And, and, yeah. that's, and that's why it's so special. Have you done South America much? I've been to Chile and Argentina and Uruguay. And that is the limit of my South America experience. So how, does that, how do they compare to the rest of, because I've never been. Uh, I mean, the, the amazing, well, so, so Chile is an amazing country in itself because it's so long and thin and north-south orientation that there's just this, just so much difference in any, any journey that you take involves some sort of climactic alteration to what you're doing. So, so much variety of scenery and, 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 you know, loads of just, just loads of brilliant things at every turn. I mean, the highlight of that trip for me was a, um, a journey down sort of, in, in the south of Chile, you can take this ferry that sort of chugs its way through the Chilean fjords and, and pops you out in Patagonia. And, and the scenery is very Jurassic Park, lost world kind of thing. So that, that was absolutely fantastic in that. And, and as, a, as a total contrast, you know, I sort of indulged my inner football geek by just <laughs> hanging out in Buenos Aires for a week, going yeah. to football matches, you know, and, and that was just brilliant the noise and the color and the you know the, the, the sense of just amazing amazing passion and enthusiasm you know they were that was that was brilliant so love that and yeah and then uruguay the Frey bentos corn beef factory was the destination there wow. and that was that was a really interesting piece of industrial heritage i wrote about that for the observer a few years ago who were kind enough to publish my piece about an old corned beef factory i mean it's no wonder you are all things experienced at lonely planet i mean how did you keep yourself busy last year what experiences were you 
sort of forging. Yeah, interesting one. I mean, you know, the, so the last year was a very, a very difficult time for Lonely Planet, very difficult time for, for everyone in travel, really. And, you know, what we have been trying to do is to keep the idea of travel as high in people's minds as possible, whether that's talking about making making books and, and you know and other and online features about domestic travel and then also just making sure that when travelers are ready we're ready you know so when people want to go somewhere that there is a lonely planet for them what about on a personal level how have you been what experiences have you been sort of going out after and bicycles your friend during lockdown without a shadow of a doubt because you can just break the bounds a little bit that's very good psychologically and it, and it's you know obviously you know gets you out and about a little bit exploring so i think that's been brilliant and then just being a bit restless and grumpy <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure everyone has had moments when, they, when when they've just said you know oh, i'm just gonna you know a colleague of mine at lonely planet she said that she she kept booking all these flights she knew they were never going to go ahead she just kept yeah. booking the flights and then when they got cancelled she was get, getting her getting her money back i thought i like that attitude like, where, where have you booked to go i'm going to brazil okay i don't think you are going to brazil like, no no but i've booked it anyway you know <laughs> no, i'll take a punt that is so great yeah yeah so i've got one more question you did help write lonely planet's best ever travel tips do you have any essential tips to help people get the most out of their next the next excursion the next adventure um i mean because best of travel is really like it covers kind of everything <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, the, the number one thing that i think on their next trip is be quite be quite neutral i think in expectations so travel has not been possible and, and that, that i think when i think it is again it's not really possible for everyone you know depending which country you're in or where you want to go or whatever it is and the experience is going to be a bit different so i think sort of almost sort of resetting those experiences and say okay for me this time it's about getting somewhere so i think i think the next time i'm at the moment the next time i'm going to leave the country is to go to denmark which is someone i've actually been a few times I absolutely love it really really you know really underrated destination outside of copenhagen actually denmark um if you gave me a ticket and you said go anywhere in the world i wouldn't go to denmark you know hey i've been there and you know i'd, I'd, I'd go further afield after all this we've talked about some of the places that i go to but i kind of want to kind of want to go and just immerse myself in somewhere else and that is enough and i think for, for everyone if we can do that that's great and the other one that always really surprises people is that when you go into a hotel and you have to put your room key in the credit card slot, uh, you don't have to put your room key in to turn the lights on. Any card will do it. What? Any card? Yeah. So, you know, you've got that thing where like, you've been given one room key yeah. and you put it in to turn the lights on. Well, an old Oyster card will do that and you can leave that there and it can carry a bank card around with you. Oh, well, that's... But of course, remember to turn the lights off when you leave the room because otherwise it's pointless exactly <laughs> tom thank you so much for coming on to this podcast it's been such a pleasure to chat thank you for having me really nice to talk to you learned so much and now i mean my bucket list has grown no end and, and the train rides that's what i want to do a train ride um, good <laughs> thank you and, and have a great rest of the day thank you i can speak to you bye-bye bye-bye thanks for listening to this episode of for those who travel if you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate you giving us a five-star review as it does make a big difference in helping us spread the word and getting our podcast into more ears. What's more, 
If you leave your Instagram handle in the review, we'll message you to say a massive thank you. And don't forget to subscribe as we've got some very exciting guests coming up. If you'd like to learn more about Stubble & Co, you can find us on Instagram at Stubble & Co. See you next time.